Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 90 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be discussing Manchester United's downfall and basically collapse against Crystal Palace, Kepa being Kepa once again, and um, just a couple updates about generally some transfers and some of the other bigger uh, major storylines in the Premier League, even though it's only week two of the uh, week two of the Premier League season. But my gosh, we got to start off with Manchester United. Um, a lot of hope going into the season. I was pretty excited, but man, this game, this game was definitely tough for me and a lot of other United fans. Basically, getting smacked by Crystal Palace three to one. Lindelof getting bullied off the ball by Zaha. Zaha basically turning Lindelof into a schoolboy defender at times, <laughs> but. It was a frustrating game for sure because it was a it was a sign and it was also something a lot of United fans were predicting for the entirety of this season is if we didn't get enough players in in this transfer window, we were going to see a very lethargic, a very um, side that will lack, um, you know, a lot of that spark because there's not enough new energy and new juice in there. And man, oh, I... Um, Tyler, I'm going to hear your thoughts on the game first, then I could go on a, uh, on a little tangent it's, that I have going for me. <laughs> it's funny that it's already week two, and the theme of the downfall of United is already snuck into the season. It's like the reoccurring theme. It's like, when is it going to happen? It's like, all right, boom, right at the beginning. This is their first game of the season at home, and they lose to Crystal Palace. They Crystal Palace definitely listens to the podcast, like the entire team, because we, we roasted them, or at least I did. And I was saying... I was saying that they were gonna lose this game, I believe like three one or something, or like two. I, I think you said like two one as well. And then I was like, all right, mm-hmm. this is easy clap, easy clap right here. But Crystal Palace came in and just yeah, as you said, made Lindelof look like look like a mess. And yeah. Harry Maguire just looked like he came out of prison, so he wasn't <laughs> ready for this game. And then Bosu Mensa, that was a surprise start. I was what happened to Juan Basaka? Like why did he, he, why did he play? So the the reason that Dan James and Fosu Mensa were in was that um, obviously Greenwood came back from the um, that whole England fiasco, and I think he had to train by himself for a little bit. So I think the premise there was that he was lacking like full like team fitness and such. And then Wambasaka came back from vacation um, recently and was still getting himself back up to like um, full fitness. So that was a problem. We had a bunch of players. Um, cause we had such a short preseason and with the European tour and everything that they were coming back from break or, you know, a couple of them tested positive coronavirus. So they were still trying to recover from that. But I thought it was really interesting that Pogba played because Pogba just recently recovered from coronavirus. And you could tell that this whole game, he looked really, really out of energy. Like it was, um, very evident because he was losing the ball a lot. His passes weren't really connecting well. He didn't really have that that same energy that you would normally expect from Paul Pogba. And he basically looked pretty flat. And you could say the same for pretty much all the players in the United side. I mean, everyone um, from goalkeeper to striker just looked very flat and out of energy, uh, lacking a lot of spark and a lot of that extra juice um, that you need. And it's unfortunate because... um, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous because there was a report out there that apparently United are go basically are on track to lose the most money during this coronavirus time out of any Premier League club, which I find a little shocking because a club of the size of Manchester United is having this much of a struggle signing players and bringing in uh are struggling this much with money too with the transfer budget. I think it's a uh, it's frustrating because Manchester United fans. We've seen other clubs such as Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, Manchester City. I know City haven't spent a lot, but when they wanted Ake or Fernand Torres, they went after them quickly, got them signed up, and it was a done deal. With Chelsea, we've just seen, everyone has seen how good they've been in the transfer window. They, Whenever they sought a player, they literally contacted his agent, contacted the club, figured out a price, agreed to it as quickly as possible. And with Liverpool, I know it took them a while to get Thiago, but they finally got him on a good deal. And then a couple of days after that, they signed Jota in a matter of basically two or three days, contacted the club, figured out the transfer fee, got everything signed up and got his player. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal don't have a lot of money. We've heard from many Arsenal fans that they're going to be lacking a lot of money. But what they did is they went out and they 
sought after some of those shrewd signings, such as signing William on a free contract. Um, you know, Gabrielle uh, was a, you know, wasn't the most expensive player, but, you know, they went out and got these certain players that aren't going to be breaking the budget. And for me, Manchester United, like the whole board, if you knew going into this transfer window that you weren't going to have a lot of money, why would you even still target players like Jaden Sancho who are going to cost you knew we're going to cost upward of like 100 million pounds. Why didn't you look out and try to go for more of those shrewd signings to build like the squad depth and the quality of the squad? And that's where we're like, as United fans, we're just a little puzzled because for a club this big, you can't, you can't be going to the transfer window with no strategy, you know? And it's just been kind of embarrassing seeing United miss out on target after target, even though United will say that they were never interested, but come on. Like we've seen all the reports. We know they were interested in like Regulone and he ended up going to Tottenham because Manchester United didn't want to pay the fee, um, like the buyback clause. Um, Sancho, they've been after him. They've been haggling over a fee. They don't want to pay upwards of 120 million for basically a superstar player in the making. Um, and it, it, the list just goes on and on of just players they keep missing out on. Like Thiago, apparently they were after him, but they, they've declined that they weren't. But everyone knows that they tried offering, um, you know, they didn't want to pay the $30 million to Bayern for his services and such. So I think it's, it's just embarrassing that if you knew you weren't going to have this money, why didn't you prioritize getting some of those cheaper players on cheaper deals so that way you can build the quality of the squad so you're not relying on a you know unfortunately I love Dan James but I mean we were you know he only has a certain ceiling he's a championship winger at heart you know he can't he doesn't really have a consistent skill move he can't really do much besides run down the wing and cross the ball and hopefully it will hit someone you know um and you know it's unfortunate but you know United paid only like 20 million for the guy and he was from Swansea as a championship winger so you know you can't really rely on Dan James to be your like superstar sub. Juan Mata's old. You can't rely on him to be a super sub. Jesse Lingard is in and out of form all the time. Odian Igalo is Odian Igalo. He's not, you know, he's not some sort of like quality backup striker you can really rely on. Um, I mean, to me, it's just baffling that, you know, we have these deficiencies in the squad, like maybe not in the immediate starting 11, but in the bench but we didn't address them. And that's where United fans were so mad about because we knew we had these deficiencies, but the board did nothing to, you know, um, to correct them. And if we go into the season with, you know, with this squad, after the window closes, it's, it's, it might be a kind of a longer season for United, especially if one of the key 11 players get hurt. Ed, Ed Woodward's already got you on the rant train. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. He's been a complaint he's, box. He's he's literally got everyone. He's got every United fan. I know Patrice Evra went after him and the United <laughs> board like like crazy after the loss to Crystal Palace. But yeah, people are people have been fed up with Edward, but people are really getting just really ticked off by his like transfer dealings and his transfer strategy um, in general. I will say there is a slight light at the end of this <laughs> tunnel, the slight beacon of hope, and that is in y'all's new signing of. Donny van der Beek, who I thought yeah. looked really good this game. I thought he should have started, but you yeah, know, over Pogba. But I mean, how can you tell Pogba that you're not going to play over like a brand new guy? But yeah. van der Beek looked like he had a good night's rest compared to the rest of the team mm-hmm. who struggled to sleep, apparently. But do you think van der Beek would come in for Pogba as like his re- not replacement, but like the player that I'd play? in the place of his starting spot in the team, maybe you have to reallocate Pogba to some other spot on the team because Van de Beek, although he's not like a CDM, he could, he usually like plays like, you know, too. yeah, he's a center mid, like box, box kind of player, but that's where he got shoved into for at least this game. Mm-hmm. So where do you think he would best play if you yeah, were to think, put Van um, de Beek in? You know, I, I hopefully Pogba will stay and sign his new contract soon, you know, but I, I I really think they can play all three of them when it's when they're playing against teams like such as Palace or you know teams not that are not the top six where they know they're gonna get uh, teams that are gonna drop back and sit deep on them because you know Van de Beek adding him into the lineup you know provides another player that can open up the open up the uh, field you know he's he can pick out the pass he knows how to find players he knows how to um, you know he can score goals as well so. I think playing all three of them is a is a good choice against teams that 
you don't need, you know, a McTominay or a Fred or a Matic to kind of sit there and, you know, dictate play. So I think for those teams, you can play all three. But for the bigger games, you know, it might be a combination of the three in some sort of way, whether it's the two or such, because I think if you play all three against really, really big opponents, they might get cut out too much in terms of the lack of uh, defensively. Um, I personally want to see Pogba. I know Bruno Fernandes is the kind of like plays as like that number 10, but man, I want to see Pogba play higher up the field though. Cause I think, um, I don't know. I just miss the Pogba that would be able to take, you know, just rip long shots from distance mm-hmm. all the time or just show off his skill moves, be running into the box. Like I think Juve Pogba. Yeah. Juve Pogba. Um, I know he can play as this, almost like a CDM and kind of like that holding midfielder, but I mean, come on. We all know like Pogba, he wants to get forward and he's at his best when he can do the tricks. He can do the flicks. He can, you know, he can show off his um, his world-class ability. And I don't know. I want to see more of that. I wish we could see more of that because I think if he can feel more confident doing that, I think it just unlocks a whole nother side of this squad that's not there yet. Mm-hmm. But how do you incorporate all those players, man? How do you incorporate Pogba, Bruno Fernandez, Van de Beek, and then your wingers of Greenwood, Rashford, and then have Martial? Like, where is the defense at that point? But I, I mean, know that's definitely a very attacking side. That would mm-hmm. be a treat. But, you know, yeah, I, I guess it's up to Solskjaer to really figure it out as a manager. Yeah. No, there will be some I, egos he's going to have to juggle. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it was very interesting because a lot of people were kind of calling out Solskjaer after this defeat. They're like, oh, you can blame all the signings you want, but like if you're a Manchester United manager, you can't be losing 3-1 to Crystal Palace. And granted, that, that is true. At home, dude. Yeah, that At is home. true. But I hate this argument that a lot of people will say like, oh, Solskjaer out. We got to get, you know, Pochettino in, get Pochettino in, get another manager in. But I mean, unless things actually get corrected, it's just going to be the same cycle of, okay, if Solskjaer does get sacked, we bring in Pochettino, he has a nice bounce, he gets a good, decent second season, gets us in the Champions League again, and then boom, when as, all of a sudden when he needs those extra signings to take his squad to the next step and they don't give it to him, it's back to the same process over and over again. And it's frustrating because the way the board is kind of treating this window is almost the way they were treating the window when Mourinho was at his last season at Manchester United where they only brought in Fred and Diego Dallo when Mourinho basically hammered them to get a center back and get um, another quality forward in. And for United, Solskjaer has literally been asking, he's been on reports asking the board to sign players. Like he needed more quality for the squad. He wanted a right winger. He wanted it. Um, a new left back. He wanted a new center back. And right now, all he's been given is Donny Van de Beek, which is good. But it, it's it's frustrating because you have a manager that's asking for getting these deals done and it's not getting done. It's just he's, <laughs> he's the board is failing. The board is failing the manager, the players, the fans. The board is failing everyone that's associated with Manchester United, except the uh, owners who are, you know, who are at the end of the day going to just keep getting richer from this club. Sounds like Tottenham's last season with Pochettino. Where it's like, we have more money. It's like, no. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I see all these other sports and I mean, like, I always say, like, man, it's so lucky that I don't have to root for a team that has a terrible owner. Like, that must just stink if you're one of those, like, fans. But mm-hmm. man, United are really one of those clubs that are such a good club. But man, they're just run to the ground by terrible owners that the Glazers who just don't, care about the product on the field you know they're just more they care more about the commercial success of reaping the benefits of the money and i think the reason that they were so successful for so long was because Sirlax ferguson is one of the best managers of all time and he was able to mask a lot of the deficiencies um that were happening behind the scenes at manchester united because he was just a genius in himself and you know when he retired a lot of that you know a lot of that energy and spark went away and you know Slowly but surely, we've been seeing sort of the unraveling of a uh, of a poorly mismanaged club, and I it, it just speaks volumes when you see, like I said before, when you see clubs like Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, when they're unified in a one vision, they go in and grab the players they want, and it's a done deal. You know, Klopp gets his players, Klopp is able to move on and plan for the season, while Solskjaer is just out here, you know, begging for players, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> so, gosh. Yeah, tune in it, it, tune in next week for the continuation of this <laughs> recurring theme of Manchester United 
making yours cry. Yeah. I, I yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it, it's just annoying. I think uh Yeah, you know, I, I just really want them I, I hope the Alex Teas deals go goes through. They're literally bargaining over a couple mil for Alex Teas. I'm like, what have we become? This is like one of the like, this is Manchester United literally out of the richest clubs, they're ranked third behind Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like third richest club in the world and we're you know haggling over a couple mil so if, if that doesn't tell you the state of like where things are when it comes to the transfer strategy of this club I, I don't know what will um and unfortunately that's what's holding united back from really taking the next step of really competing with these top clubs again and it's it's going to be a long season if we don't get these players in i'll tell you that mm. but be a lot more gosh. rants a lot yeah. more. <laughs> I can go on and on about this, but moving on to the arguably the biggest game of the weekend, uh, Chelsea-Liverpool. Uh, this game was very interesting because Liverpool ended up winning this game 2-0, but man, um, you know, Tyler, I'll let you take it because I know you're a Liverpool <laughs> fan. And like, I know you noticed some things like I, it was crazy that Fabinho was playing center yes. back. So this game was a very highly anticipated game because last season, at the very end of the season um, of the Premier League, it was a very antsy kind of matchup where there's a lot of not fights but it was just a lot of animosity between Lampard and Klopp and also just on the field ultimately Liverpool won that match but this match going into it there was a lot of expectations for Chelsea because all their new signings are in although they didn't all start yeah Timo Werner was looking 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 hot and then (laughs) Kai Havertz had a really rough first game, so he wanted to bounce back in the second game. And I think he started centrally for this game, too. So he didn't have that excuse of playing right wing. But the surprise of the game was seeing Fabinho play center back as a makeshift surprise start of the game because Joe Gomez got a slight injury, like not too serious right before the game. And then Matip's still out with an injury, too. So Fabinho came in. It's kind of reminding me of like the NFL season going on right now where during week two, all of a sudden, so, like a lot of star players just got injured. Yeah, but tore their ACLs and everything. Tore ACLs, things like that. So I'm a little worried for the Premier League, but at least Premier League had like a preseason. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a little less of that. But I mean, we will see a little bit of that going throughout the season. Like we already saw Manchester United, you know, Juan Bissaka didn't play, Greenwood didn't play because of like kind of similar reasons and Pogba struggled. But in this game, it was a little bit about the same because Chelsea didn't have Diego Silva yet, still. Ben Chilwell still out from injury, so that's mm-hmm. why Marcus Alonso, like, the list goes on. But Liverpool and Chelsea, they're going neck and neck in the first half of this game. And then, out of nowhere, uh, Mane gets a free run. Henderson chucks a long ball to him. And then he was the last man going up against Kepa. He was like a 1v1 against Kepa. And then, out of nowhere, Christensen comes in with a linebacker-esque tackle. Like, he just... <laughs> Jumped on, jumped on Mane, just both arms on him. I'm, <laughs> this was like a David Luiz level tackle. I was like, "What?" I, I can't. They gave him a yellow <laughs> first too, right? Yeah, I know this is a yellow first. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I was like, like this, "Are you watching football? Are you watching the NFL? Like, what is this? Rugby? Find some rugby out there." It was like a rugby <laughs> tackle. I was like, "I feel like we have at least one of these rugby esque tackles once a season." Yeah, and, and I was like, so "Oh, there it is." <laughs> but Christensen got himself sent off at the end of the first half, and I feel like that's what sealed it for Liverpool. But then that's also what allowed Thiago to come on at halftime because Thiago, Thiago Alcantara signs for Liverpool last week, and is like, "Is he going to get any minutes this game?" And sure enough, he does because of this opportunity, and he's really good at controlling the ball, controlling tempo, and making sure uh, we kind of retain possession. So mm-hmm. that's why it was such a good move to just sub him on the second half and he came on for Henderson Henderson is a little injury prone so it was kind of good for the rotation but Thiago had more passes than any other Chelsea player and he wow. only played one half that's great <laughs> that's that just shows you how Chelsea were playing especially like, when Christensen went down exactly and the thing that made it a little crazier is that you know we we kind of hyped him up last week it was like you know he's a really good player he's a really good addition but the second he came on you could instantly tell he's a world-class player. Like everyone respected him, even on the mm-hmm. Chelsea squad too. They're just like, oh gosh, you have to face Thiago. Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like very down a man. It's like, man, I don't know. And all the Liverpool players were excited. They're like, yes, here we go. It's about to be a madhouse. And sure enough, he was just going to town, just like spreading the play around. The vision was insane. And 
I'm really excited to have Thiago on the team. I don't know if he's going to be starting every game. He might come yeah. off the bench every here and there because he also is one of those injury-prone players. And he, yeah, adjusting to Premier League does take some time. But it's pretty promising that Liverpool now have Thiago. Diogo Jota, too, just got signed just last week right after mm-hmm. our podcast. I was like, well, it's some yeah. good timing. But he, he came out of nowhere, which is I was unexpected. He costs around 40 million pounds. And mm-hmm. I was like, for him, I didn't know he was 23 years old. He's younger than me. Wow. <laughs> I was I like, what the he heck? Was like, I didn't realize he was that young. I thought he was like 26 or 27. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was like, I was like, oh, we got to, why? He's in his, pr-. I was like, oh, 23. I was like, all right. That, that makes it look way better. So he's going to be a very good signing. A lot more depth, a lot more backup for the yeah, winger position. My, I remember in our first season of the podcast, I think he was my uh, breakout player or he was my, player to look uh, out he was for. My, yeah he was my underrated player of the season i think mm-hmm. um for for wolves when in our first season of the premier pod because i just i was pretty blown away by how you know pretty consistent how good he was for wolves yeah. and such in the championship he was one of the top goal scorers in there mm-hmm. and then during his first seasons in the premier league he showed glimpses of why he was that kind of caliber of player and he's mm-hmm. a two-footed player he has no weak foot and he's got pace for days. He's got pace. Like he's got it all. He's got the skills. Like I'm like, all right, this is a very good signing. This is, and uh, and also is one of the surprise signings. Like kind of like Fabinho, where it's just like, what? How we get him? <laughs> he's like, all right, uh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of the opposite scenario of what Yush is feeling, but yeah. we get dust. We get dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like old oh, cheese it from the ground. I need to <laughs> beat a dead horse or kind of hit Yush <laughs> while he's down already. <laughs> he's already feeling the pain from the United situation but nevertheless for the Liverpool side it was a good 2-0 victory but to kind of highlight the key thing that which is not even Liverpool's sharp play I feel like that that was kind of more a relief in my opinion it was like all right Liverpool looking like the Liverpool of last season but the mm-hmm. thing that really highlighted this game was Kepa I oh feel boy. like that's the thing that oh really boy. kind of showed besides you know Christensen oh Football tackling someone, but, but oh Kepa's, boy, Kepa! Oh my gosh, Kepa gave away the ball from his own box, and like so, what basically happened was, you know, Mane was pressuring him. He was running straight at him, and then Kepa <laughs> could have decided to pass it to Christian, or not Christian, but uh, his defender right in front of him, or he could have cleared it. He decided to take a risky pass and try to pass it to the defender in front of him. And Monty intercepted it and scored. So oh that was a very... God. And we kind of called it. I, I I felt like we literally said, if Kepa's in goal, Liverpool can win this game. Yeah. <laughs> and then, a mistake sure enough, coming. Kepa gave Liverpool the second goal and kind of sealed it because although Jorginho did get a penalty at the very end of the game, Allison mm-hmm. came through and saved it. Something Kepa couldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wait, that was, was a big save by Allison. I almost forgot about that. That was an insane... That. Like, that was yeah. a little underrated how big that save was because it yeah. kept Chelsea out of the game 100%. Yeah, because no, I think they got it pretty close to almost like 60, 70 minutes in, so they had plenty mm-hmm. of time. But that was a good save from Ali's Yes, Ali's son coming through, yeah. our reliable keeper. But Especially Kepa, Jorginho, because I feel like Jorginho never misses yeah, too. Yeah, Jorginho never misses, and that was his first miss for Chelsea in the pen. Yeah. So that was kind of just showing just how much of a difference it makes to have a quality keeper. Yeah. And I mean, Liverpool kind of had that scenario with having to go through Mingule and Karius. But now Chelsea are kind of going through that with Kepa. And it's kind of in a worse scenario, though, because they have literally the worst transfer signing of all time because of also the contract he has. I believe he has a seven year contract. Yeah, they sent him. Who the heck signs a seven year contract? I mean, they That's thought crazy. he was the keeper for the future. It's like yeah. they gave him like the Patrick Mahomes contract. And it was like, yeah. and then he, they turns out he was not Mahomes at all. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was freaking, um, yeah, he's bad. <laughs> he was bad. I, I like, feel, I, I genuinely feel bad for him because, you know, we saw with Karius. I is Karius still like in Besiktas or is he like? No, still he's like, back at Liverpool, but he's okay. like the third string keeper, and yeah. I believe he's probably going to get sold. But yeah, Kepa, and, like they're going to I, make a loss on him. Exactly, and I feel bad for him because now I, I everyone remembers Karius obviously because of his famous mistakes in the Champions League. And now people are always going to remember Kepa for like this horrible display he had at Chelsea. And gosh, I know I know Tim Howard at the broadcast was talking about. When a goalkeeper is out of form, he either goes two ways: whether he he starts going, he starts playing really conservative and takes no chances at all, and just you know super safe, 
or he decides to be more adventurous and just tries to play himself out of this uh, out of this form by doing more of the riskier wild stuff and keppa's gone the riskier route and you know tim howard is a quality keeper like famous u.s men's national team keeper is very well established premier league keeper you could hear it he wasn't saying it but you could basically hear that he was calling keppa bad he's calling keppa <laughs> a bad keeper and you know keppa didn't do anything to really like help out his name or help out his form and Gosh, it, it's gonna suck. I, I feel bad for him because I don't. I don't think he ever recovers from this. I mean, he literally looks like a keeper that's so out of confidence and so that's lost himself, com- his himself completely. And I don't know. I just don't see a way for him to ever regain that potential or any of that form that he had at Bilbao. Um, and for him, a loan situation. I feel like going back to Spain will probably do him the best good. Maybe being back in the home country and such. And I don't know. I feel like the Spain will probably be his best route of maybe getting back to like that form again. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. It's not good. Not looking good for Keppa, as we yeah, said. Maybe a change of scenery will help. Mm-hmm. And it only makes it worse that Mendy has yes. officially been announced today. Edward Mendy. Edward Mendy, the replacement keeper from. Uh, name escaping me. Rene. Yeah, Rene. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know it's French. I don't know how to pronounce it. And uh, there we go. But yeah. but, and the replacement Mendy, keeper. He is going to be the replacement keeper, $28 million. And he's in his prime. He's like 28 years old. So he's not really a keeper for the future, but he's just more like a, a band aid, I believe, yeah. for now. Unless he goes off, you, you never know. Yeah. He might just be a secret hidden gem that's just like a late bloomer, kind of like Jamie Vardy. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like any keeper at this point might be better than Keppa. Yes. Caballero might not be the move either, but Mendy, I think, will be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of ironic that. All the players are getting replaced by all these new signings that started this game, like Keppa, Christensen, Marcus Alonso. They all sucked. <laughs> like they're all they all had a really rough game. I mean, Alonso, he didn't have yeah, like I a, as bad of a game. Like, okay. I thought compared Alonso to like Christensen okay. and Keppa, but I'm like, yeah. geez, the writing was on the wall and there's like senioritis kicked in. They're like, you know what? It doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm already looked, getting out. It's like No, it, it looked bad for those two, like those three in general. And you know, that's why Chelsea have bought replacements to replace those guys. But mm-hmm. there was an interesting thing coming off on Twitter. Um, a lot of people are saying this one um, journalist for that covers soccer. They were saying that they they don't think Timo Werner is as good as people make it out to seem. And like basically, I, all I'm saying is that he thinks Timo Werner is not very polished when it comes to his skill moves and beating people one v one. Um, and that he relies too much on, on his pace. Yeah. And he's not very like a clinical finisher. Like it's like he has to shoot a lot to score. And I was like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. And I, and I was watching the Chelsea game and I started to notice that where there was a couple of times in the first half where he was like 1v1, I believe on Fabinho yeah. or, or such. And it just looked like he didn't really open up his right foot to like curl it or anything. He just kind of like froze up a little bit. And I was like, that that could be something to pay attention to because he didn't look that sharp against Brighton. And maybe that was the reason Klopp didn't pull the trigger on him. If that, if he's so like, like not flag. Yeah. Maybe if he's not completely polished as a striker right away. So that could be something to pay attention to. If you, if you're a Chelsea fan or even not um, seeing if maybe Werner develops that one V one ability and becomes a little bit more confident in, in taking people on and such. Cause I, I think I started to notice that a little bit against Liverpool. Yeah. That really did surprise me too. Cause every time Werner got like on a run, I like I, my butt clenched. I was like, Oh no. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <But> he <didn't laughs> shoot. Like he never shot. Yeah. And then, yeah, he would just never shoot or Fabinho would steal. I'm like, Holy crap. Fabinho's a God. Or I think it was like a little bit of both where it's like Fabinho is a God, but also Werner is not as polished as we all think. And Kai Havertz got subbed off after, Christensen got the red so yeah that was very interesting to see too I was like oh yeah their big money move is like already already out and yeah he did get a hat trick though in the uh, EFO cup but I mean they weren't playing the best of opposition but (laughs) three goals though is not bad but yeah Kai hasn't looked the best in the Premier League I mean he's looked a little shaky but I think the more confidence and the more time they get to gel together this squad I think it will be mm-hmm. only good for for him, but yeah, yeah, I think the moral of the story for Chelsea is that a lot of people are anticipating they're really going to do well, but I I think based on the time. results, yeah, based on what we've seen, it's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to take, honestly, I think it might take the whole season 
because yeah. like this is literally like a whole like half the team is brand new people like yes. how are you gonna they keep buying new people too and apparently they're interested in really signing Declan Rice so yeah they're, they're just they're they're signing way Where too many money people. coming from yeah. <laughs> what is this <laughs> Declan like, Rice dude the, 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 the team needs the chemistry and the gelling together they don't have enough of that yet <laughs> oh my gosh you just need a little no. bit of rice to uh yeah get that <laughs> get that men going but oh, man. before we go too far into this, we got yes. other games as well. Yes, we have um, Everton West Brom. This game was really interesting because I was obviously up for it. But um, Everton, man, <laughs> uh, yeah, because of work. But West Brom, Grady D in Ghana. He is a young player from West Ham that was sold to West Brom, who basically made it made um, Mark Noble. Yes, yeah, Mark Noble really mad that West Ham sold him to. Uh, um, to West Brom because he was a really bright and really exciting talent for West Ham and he was like a really good young prospect and this game really showed I mean he basically ran past the entire um, Everton defense and just shot it in like an arrow into the bottom corner but we've seen that Pickford I don't know if you saw some of the mistakes in the EFL Cup Pickford looks pretty bad and mm-hmm. a lot of Everton fans are like calling on the board to sign Sergio Romero from Manchester United so I don't know man I don't know how confident I am in Pickford but that's beyond the point, but yeah, Grady D and Ghana, a player to watch out for um, this season. If West Brom, you know, they're going to struggle this season, but D and Ghana is going to be a bright spot for him. But man, Everton, again, James Rodriguez scores his first goal. Calvert-Lewin gets a hat trick. They're all connecting with each other. Um, James, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison. Um, it's pretty exciting. James literally looks like he's born for the Premier League. I mean, he's yeah. been looking so good, like so silky and smooth playing in the number 10 role for Everton. Thomas is making me scared for the Merseyside Derby. I'm like, I know. oh no. That's I will quality. say it, it did help that West Brom got two red cards. Yes. First Gibbs and then a Billick. <laughs> the yes. manager got subbed off. Or I mean, <laughs> red carded off too. So uh, that mm-hmm. definitely did help a little bit. But still, that was a dominant display from Everton. I was like, yeah, they went down early too. And I was like, oh, Oh, well, we were too high on Everton again. It's the same old Everton losing to like these teams. But mm-hmm. man, they, they definitely did not lose. They came back firing and basically just went on a tear after that. I, oh, this is a, I have, we have one Everton friend. And I always roast him. I'm like, he only liked him because of Tim Howard. And he's <laughs> he's been long gone at this point. So I'm like, man, you're just supporting a team that's like, a Tottenham side, but it's just like even worse. No, it's just it's just gonna be more disappointing. It's like you're gonna be so close to getting European football, but then just never get it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this season, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I know we're two games in, but geez, they're looking really nice. And I mean, like this team is looking. There's it's not like a team for the future. It's like a team for for the now, almost now at this yeah. point. Ancelotti's definitely not a future coach. He's like, yeah. I'm gonna win now. So although. Their ceiling isn't too high. I feel like it's it's still pretty good. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested to see how Everton does. As a Liverpool fan saying that, I'm like, all right, this is one of the first times I'm kind of more. I don't want to say more scared of Everton than like United, <laughs> but <laughs> they're kind of comparable at this point. I'm like, geez, Louise. Yeah, they they look dangerous, and um, I know for West Brom, we put that they have. Um, Branislav Ivanovic, the former Chelsea Premier League title winning, Champions League winning uh, defender, but he's now really old. And he's so, very old. Um, West Brom, it's uh, we had them as one of the teams getting relegated. They they have a terrible defense. Hey, if they if they're going to stay up, they need to have a good defensive structure. So maybe Ivanovic adds some steel, maybe some like very good leadership. But uh, you can't really rely on him, right, to be a, your starting right back. The guy's like, must be like no pace. I think he's <laughs> our age together. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, Gosh. he's not that old. He's like, that's like 40s. I think he's like late 30s. But yeah, I did not expect him to come back to into the Premier League. I thought he was just going to stay at Zenit and then be like, <laughs> just, and just ride it out. But he's back and it's going to be very interesting to see how he does because he was a leader. He also got bitten by Suarez. So he has <laughs> a lot of pedigree and a lot of uh, experience under his belt. So, <laughs> Oh, man. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. We'll see. And then um, moving on to Southampton versus Tottenham. Tottenham beating Southampton 5-2. Son scored four goals and Kane assisted all four of them. That's crazy. First of all, that's just insane that Son scored four and Kane assisted all four of them. It seems like it should have been the other way around, but 
you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But man, Southampton, I feel like every season under Raf Hasenhudel, they somehow find a way to get smacked by one team each season. <laughs> um, I don't know how this guy does it. He gets smacked and then ends up, you know, keeping his job and doing pretty well after this. So I was, this was a surprise. This, at yeah. least not 9 0, but yes. Holy cow, to let Sun score four. So I was, I was asked um, by one of our listeners, Ashley, she was like, all like basically all my Korean friends were also kind of like sending me kind of Instagram posts or pictures of Sun because they're like, holy crap, Sun scored four. And they, they all and Ashley at least asked, she was like, How often does the player score four goals? I'm like, that'll probably be the only time this season someone scores four goals. Mm-hmm. And maybe it might happen with two players, but like it's Aguero it's, seems to always get close. Yeah, Aguero gets really close. Yeah, I remember he scored five five goals on uh, one season and then one of them scored four and one season as oh, well yeah. but literally it's it's very rare i would say yeah, maybe it'll be sun and then it'll be one other player this season but geez for for sun to do this this is a big thing and some of his goals made it look like it was so easy he's just like he just I ran know. past players just like all right slotted it was in. literally a, like a like a really like weak through ball by kane and somehow like sun gets it and just runs mm-hmm. i'm like dude this looks like a pickup match at some points when sun scores i'm like how is he how is he doing this <laughs> it makes it look so easy but this is a big boost for all the korean fans out there they're like yes there you go i would definitely watch this game <laughs> i was like yes <laughs> but um this is gonna be crazy to see how kane's gonna deal with sun and bale bale's not even in yet so i know i don't know it there, they said bale- be a big battle between everton and tottenham now because uh they both are pretty free scoring at this point yeah, Bale, um, they, they confirmed, Tottenham confirmed, or Mourinho basically confirmed that Bale wouldn't be back until maybe December or November. So there's still some time, like Bale has to get recovered back, you know, in recovery process and such. But man, if Son and Kane and Bale are all firing, like we're basically replace Lucas Moore with Gareth Bale, that's insane. Mm-hmm. That's literally, that's going to be pretty exciting. I mean, I don't know how well Mourinho could get all of those to, you know, work play together defense. oh yeah <laughs> yeah play defense but also score those goals because they're going to be a very much like a super counter-attacking side but man they're going to be fun to watch especially if bale can stay at full fit fitness which is um easier said than done nowadays with him mm-hmm. i i although it's going to take a few more months for bale to come back i am very interested to see how he's going to be incorporated into the team because he's not going to have to carry the team like whales but <laughs> He's also not going to be like a a, a star yeah. amongst other stars at like Real. Like, so he wouldn't. I'm trying to think. Like, would he be the best player if he walked in? I I would still see Kane as their yeah, best. Yeah, still player. say Kane. And, yeah, and I would say Sun's better too. Yeah, it's like a tie for all three. Yeah. You could like you could make like a like a a good argument for all three. But yeah, it's it's for Bale. Like he's not dealing with Benzema or Isco. You know, Marcelo like. There's not that big of a competition for who's number one, you know, guy, you know, mm-hmm. but so. through all this, there is also some some rumors that Delhi Ali might yes. be on his way out. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting one because he's one of the only central attacking midfielders, I feel like, besides, you know, maybe Ndombele or if you shove Shizoko up, maybe a little bit farther up. <laughs> or maybe put Steve Bergwine over there. Like they have a lot of players that aren't dedicated cams, but could play. That could play that position. But like <laughs> I feel like Deli Ali is like the key one there, and he might be on his way out. So yeah, I think the problem for him is he can't really do much outside of being a cam. Like he he's not very good as a box to box midfielder because he can't really trust him defensively. And Mourinho historically has liked very versatile players. That's why he's got Bergwijn, Mora, who can play as like striker and right winger, Son that can basically play anywhere in the front three. Kane is an anomaly because um, Mourinho always likes to have good strikers. Um, but yeah, Deli Ali, says he's kind of like that 10, but for, to be honest, Deli Ali for me is like really dropped down from being potentially being one of the, like one of the world's best to now basically being at best. Above average. Yeah, above average or even B plus if he reaches his like full potential because, gosh, I remember that first two seasons he was at Tottenham. I thought he was going to be world class. Like we're looking at the next version of like, you know, Frank Lampard or something. But yeah, yeah, I think we're all expecting that. And then yeah. maybe his work ethic or his yeah, they, they, mentality that's, that's, was just not the best. That's what they've been saying. Apparently, like his um, he's one of the laziest people in training when it comes to practice. 
Um, he's like one of those people that doesn't really train hard for practice, but somehow, you know, kind of shows out for games. And I guess it really caught up to him now where he can't really rely on, um, a lot of those things he normally does. So (laughs) I don't know, maybe, maybe a move might be good for him. Maybe, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like Julian Draxler, where it's like a guy you thought was going to be the number one, almost like superstar level and just kind of like bottomed out. And now it's like, he's okay player, but he's not, he didn't reach his full potential, you know? So, so he's saying uh, Daly Ali is going to PSG confirmed. Oh, no, I'm not saying confirmed, but I'm saying... Because <laughs> basically I, I, that's the Julian Draxler trajectory. It's like, yeah. have a lot of potential, then go to PSG and ride the bench. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. Maybe a move might be better for him. Um, maybe it might kickstart his career again. I mean, it's not like completely Deadwood. He's still a good player, but he's definitely not... He he was supposed to be at this age. He's supposed to be at Kane's son level. Good. Yeah. And he hasn't reached that level, unfortunately. So, Rip, uh, Rip Deli Ali's yeah. potential. Another player potential, like we we put too much potential on a player. But man, moving on to uh, Leeds Fulham. This game was really fun to watch. Fulham, I mean, Leeds won 4-3. Leeds are going to be super fun, as we said. I mean, gosh, they go all out attack no matter what. They never stop. They basically remind me of Klopp when he first arrived at Liverpool, just like straight up. All out attack. Doesn't matter if we're losing one nil, four nil, or it doesn't matter if we're winning five nil. Like we're gonna keep scoring goals. So man, I'm excited to watch Leeds. I'll say I'll say that. But mm-hmm. Fulham, gosh, it, it, it's basically the same thing that they had two seasons ago. They just don't have good defenders and they're leaking in a lot of goals. So oh boy. Fulham, please don't concede as many goals as you did last time. Please. <laughs> it For the made sake me a little nervous though. Like Fulham conceded three goals and Liverpool conceded three goals. I was like, <laughs> or no, Fulham conceded four, but I'm like, wait, hold up. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if Leeds can, uh, do the same to Liverpool as they did to Fulham, I'm like, is Fulham just that good or is Liverpool that yeah. bad? And this happened before the Chelsea match. So I was like, or this match occurred before the, che- the- I mean, Fulham conceded three to Arsenal. Yeah. So I was weekend. like, mm-hmm. Uh, this is red flags, but luckily Liverpool, like it was just a fluke, I guess, against Leeds, or just they weren't as prepared for Leeds. But this is <laughs> like a championship match that's Leeds versus Fulham, basically. And it was a big high score. And I was surprised to see Rodrigo start. Yeah. That was a uh he uh, he was like an emergency sub. So someone in their starting eleven got hurt. He had to go in and he got subbed off in the second half. They started the second half. So, so the uh rough spell for him is still yes, purgatory confirmed. could be incoming. The pettiness of Bielsa is still going to be looming over him. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought it, it's... It, for me, the Leeds almost remind me of when Bournemouth came into the Premier League, how like exciting they were and the amount of goals they were scoring. But I feel like they're Bournemouth, but take it up an extra notch when it comes to attacking. And yeah. I feel like that's where Leeds are right now. And also the fan base too. Like this is a yeah. huge fan base. This is like a oh, huge yeah. club that's just been like sleeping in the chamber of like the... the championship dwellings i know so it's Gosh. it's surprising that they've been down there for so long but now they're back and it's been pretty interesting to see how like to learn how big of a club they actually are it's mm-hmm. like nottingham forest level where it's like they are such a big team and then now they're just this is like imagine as if arsenal right now or something like that were sent to the championship and they just were sitting there for like 16 years yeah. like what they've been here what it's like they're that good it's like yeah it's like their fan base yeah. is that big it's like yep it's it's crazy. I, it's hard to really fathom because there's no fans in the stadiums right now to really I know. kind of it show. It would have been so cool to have fans in that stadium. But apparently, like, they would have been fans. Buzzing. Yeah, they would have. They're they're so loud. Apparently, apparently, it's like the Seattle yeah. Seahawks of and CenturyLink Field, like that kind of level of noise. It's like cheese. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if I think they're staying in the Premier League for sure. So it's gonna yeah. be cool to see once there's a vaccine out, the fans are back. And seeing how the stadium really is, because this is going to be very fun be team fun. to watch. But uh, um, they're going to be uh, going straight back down, in my opinion. Yeah. Despite the Mitro, kind of decent performance, Mitrovic yeah, came back though. Needs to keep scoring. Only way they stay up is Mitrovic has to be a consistent score for him. But yeah, not looking good for Fulham. But Arsenal, um, I, I didn't get to watch too much of this game, but they picked up another win against West Ham. Um, I mean, Tyler, I know you watched a little bit of it, but yeah. I, I don't know. It was surprising that West Ham was kind of in this game for as long as they were. And I was thinking, 
I give a lot of praise to Arsenal and Arsenal. They were they were kind of dancing around, kind of disappointing their fans. <laughs> I was like, are they really going to tie against West Ham? I'm like a team that has the caliber to really disassemble any team. It's like they were struggling against West Ham, but luckily for them, Nketiah came through with the game winner at the very end of the game. It was very, it wasn't a very exciting game in my opinion, but it was one that really kind of showed too that I feel like Arsenal does need a little bit of help in the central midfield. And I saw some Arsenal fans that are friends of ours on Twitter just saying it's like they really need to help Arteta out and stop using the scraps of Wenger and Emery. For hey, his same teams. thing United are having the problem with. So yes. Phil Jones. Phil Jones. <laughs> Phil Jones is still on the team. Yeah. He's just Phil there Jones. for the marketing, dude. He's just the meme generator. <laughs> but for Arsenal, it's just, just sadness at this point. It's like they're still using Xhaka. I'm like, bro. <laughs> I'm like, how's he still there? So Bios is luckily back. But I'm like, geez. Dude, apparently um, I've heard that uh, Fabrizio has been saying that Atletico really want to get um, Lucas Torreira on loan. And apparently Torreira is like kind of inclined to leave because he's fallen out of favor under Arteta. So that would be a too. huge, yeah, that'd be a huge miss if uh, Torreira lives. Cause I still think Torreira is a pretty good player. Yeah. I think he has the potential to do big things, but mm-hmm. I guess if he's not even getting the day, the, the game time, it's like just send him to Atletico and then maybe he'll also learn a lot join, more under. Join um, Suarez. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to join Suarez. That Uruguayan connection at <laughs> Atletico Madrid, but then also get that kind of grit from learning under uh, Simeone, Simeone and also just playing with some of the meanest players on the team, like in Gosh. the world, like Diego Costa and Suarez on the same team. It's like, geez, oh my. <laughs> he's going to get beat up every single practice, but then he's going to come back stronger. But I think <laughs> this would be a, a good move for him. But I really think Arsenal do need to sign some of those players that a lot of the fans have been asking for, like Awar and yes, uh, like, they, they've been uh, like a parity or I don't know how to yeah, say yeah, Thomas Partey as well. Like, Partey, th- like yeah. those two, like those are the two I see the most requested on Twitter. It's like every day it's like, do we get them yet? It's like, nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think this kind of game kind of showed that having that middle bit would really help them out if they got those two big signings. I don't know yeah. if they can afford it because, I mean, I feel like They're re-signing Aubameyang was their big signing of the summer, potentially. Like mm-hmm. that was their move, but if they can find some money out of like you know, the underside of a couch or something, or like in the mm-hmm. crevices, it's like, and then maybe scrape away something, sell some players, loan out some players to get enough money. Then man, Mesut with that mega contract, they're probably like, man, if we just had those wages freed up. Mikel Arteta even came out and said it's very hard for Ozil to even get back into the starting eleven, like. It, where do you even go? Like you can't play center mid, and they play three four yeah. three. So it's like he he can't even his position doesn't exist in the starting yeah. eleven. Huh. So Man. I don't know who's gonna pay for that contract. I feel like Man. Atlanta United really need someone like him. So uh, <laughs> if oh, uh, Arthur Blank's willing to play or pay if for, Ozil, uh, I'd find a way to sneak into the stadium. Mesidozo came to Atlanta United, dude. That that'd be big because uh, Atlanta United, meanwhile, is a. Uh, Really bad. So <laughs> I don't even know if Ozo can help because like we don't have really any strikers, but that's a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but Arsenal, if they can just keep scraping through, uh, maybe they'll help out. But I always like to say, I guess the last thing for this is I feel like sometimes when you lose during the transfer window, it kind of is beneficial because it kind of shows the board. It's like, you know, could really use that transfer because I could have helped us win the game, but Dude, we you are should losing. Tell United that been happening yeah. for too many years in a row. That's what I told Josh the second they lost. I was like, well, at least now you can have an argument for uh, <laughs> Ed Woodward for more transfers. But you know, Arsenal won, so it's like, well, you won with what you got. So uh, yeah, just do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, uh, last game here, we had Wolves versus City. Um, God, this game was very interesting because City were cruising in the first half, and then Wolves literally had four. F- legit chances with Ruben Neves, Jimenez, um, and Potence all having really, really good chances to score and they all missed them. And then eventually Potence nutmegs De Bruyne, which was a beautiful, by the way, and puts in an absolute peach up across to um, Jimenez and he scores. But the one thing I took away from this game is, I know we've said this before, but my gosh, Nuno, it's surprising that his name hasn't been brought up um, more in terms of uh, bigger coaching opportunities. I know Wolves is a pretty big team in itself, but Nuno, 
with the job he's been doing there. I mean, Nuno Santo, gosh, I, 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 it's been shocking to me to seeing the lack of opportunities that have been thrown his way in terms of like maybe bigger clubs and such, because it's shown that he can do a lot with, um, with, uh, with the squad he has. And when he's been given talent, he, he, he's shown that he can really get the most out of them. And he's developed Adama Traore into like a legit winger, um, turned Jota into a consistent Premier League player that Liverpool bought. Podence is looking good. I know they got, um, who's their other bright attacking winger? Neto? Yeah, Neto. Um, he looks like he's turning out to be really good, who was like a bench bench fringe player last season. Um, I mean, he's turned Connor Cody, um, Roman Saiz, Willie Bali, solid, solid midfielders, Jao Martino, Ruben Neves, solid. Yeah, he's so, like recruited really well too. Like yeah. I would I would have never Eugene, thought like Roy Patricio. Using that Portuguese, Portuguese yeah, connection. That Portuguese connection. Like Connor Cody, I feel like at this point is like the only non-Portuguese player on that team. Besides exactly. like a Traore and Saiz. But I'm mm-hmm. like, the second they have like an international break <laughs> and, and then the, like Portugal gets called up, it's just going to be like three players. Yeah. And the training, <laughs> it's going to be like pitch. a barren wasteland. But maybe this <laughs> exactly. is all a ploy to like get Ronaldo to go to Wolves. Because it's like, oh look, my gosh. We have Portugal here. You're oh, Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> we're Portugal. Come through. Let's not, yeah, let's make a match right that's, there. But That's a joke. But I mean, nope. that'd be funny if it happened. Because like, they, be, they signed tomato. They, they did sign Zamedo. Like that's another Portuguese player. Yes, and he was a surprise signing to me too because like Zamedo is a, I don't know if quality is the right word these days because like he had a lot of promise, but then like Alfonso Davies just like, like his stock just sat him down. Just yeah, like we we said Zamedo was gonna be out of the team after that, and we just called it. Yeah, <laughs> he was he's like, out of the team. He's literally out of the team. Like Alfonso Davies. Ended his Barcelona career, and now he's at Wolves <laughs> to maybe rekindle that. But I think this is a very good team for him to do that because now I think he'd probably in this formation of three four three. That's a reoccurring theme for uh, this podcast, at mm-hmm. least for this week. Uh, every team we kind of highlight is a three four three. But I think he could take the place of Adama on that right wing back position, and then allow Adama to play up at that right wing, so he doesn't have to track back track and back. play defense and he can Gosh. just wreak havoc with his baby oil arms i know so that's he, a really good signing for wolves and a pretty surprising one 33 million dollars they're using their diego jota money to get bring in tomato this but is solid and I, they have the young yeah. um fabio fabio silva uh for the young young striker from porto so i mean it just keeps on coming the port- mm-hmm. portuguese connections there but and then also they got Keanu Hoover from yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool. I was very surprised about that because I, I thought Liverpool were holding he him had a lot for of the future. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like a Fabio Silva kind of-esque signing where like Liverpool are just like, all right, he's the next big thing. He's the next, like they feel like they say that every single season. It's like, all right, it's going to be Van Dyke one day. <laughs> like maybe not that caliber, but he's like, he's going to be huge. And they signed him like 16 years old, something like that. It was insane. But mm-hmm. now he got sold for $11 million to Wolves all of a sudden. I was like, oh, I guess goes there goes that. So, uh, I mean, I guess we got Nico Williams now who's just playing his position. And Sepp Menberg, who's uh, still there at Liverpool. So that's why he's looking at other avenues at Wolves. But he's still a teenager, which is insane. Because I feel mm-hmm. like we've been talking about him for since the beginning of this podcast in like episode yeah. one. Two two years ago, so <laughs> this is a this is a big signing for Wolves in terms of like their future because now they got a team for now and then they have a potentially huge team for the future or at least players that can sell off to get a lot of money to just yeah. keep the team. Gosh, Ruben Neves, I I still think he's like I am surprised that he's not been picked from uh, one of I'm the top. I'm surprised about that too. I thought he Man, was just there imagine for like him a going to Arsenal. Gig. That'd be a crazy quality addition. That'd be insane if they got him. Dude, I'm taking notes from the podcast right now. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I am actually surprised <laughs> that Jimenez has not been linked more to bigger clubs because I think Jimenez is a very, very, very good striker. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think he's up there with uh, maybe the top 15, top 20 strikers in the world. He's really, really good. I really, really like the way he plays. He doesn't have a ton of pace, but he makes, you know, he does well with his positioning. He's really good technically with his feet. He can shoot. Um, he's got great heading ability. I mean, he's strong. Um, he, I'm a big he fan of him. Like and other his. players, yeah. He brings yeah, other he, players into the play. Like he plays. Exactly. 
Like his, he has assists under his belt too. So exactly, he can do it all as a striker. I mean, I mean, maybe the only thing going for him is that he's a he's a bit on the um, he's like I think what 29, 30? Yeah, like on the older side, like in his prime yeah. already. So he kind of hit the peak um, a little too late. But my gosh, if United like somehow signed him, or I'm looking at these clubs that need backup strikers or legit like Starters. actual number nines. Yeah, yeah. Jimenez would oh, Jimenez would be great. I, I kind of I, don't uh, want him to leave. <laughs> yeah, he's such an integral part of Wolves and he plays all the time, which is great, but it'd be pretty cool to see him maybe get Champions League football um, here and there. That would but, be cool. And maybe uh, see him do well for the nation of Mexico too. That's going to be big. I feel like we've always seen, or at least from Mexico, like Guadado, Dos Santos, like like Giovanni, like all of them, just like the, the usual suspects, Vela. And then Jimenez was never really in that conversation. I know so, it was always like, like Chicharito and such. Yeah, it was like, always Chicharito. But sure enough, now it's like a. I mean, some of those players you just mentioned are a little older now. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, Jimenez is not really that much younger. So this is kind of like a late bloomer kind of situation. But it's gonna be interesting to see how he also takes Mexico for the next few years because uh, it's gonna be like a new identity. So, and he's kind yeah. of bringing that Portuguese wolves with them. <laughs> so I know it's gonna be interesting to see, but I hope he stays in my opinion. I know yeah. he could probably make a move, but uh, it's not really the best marketability because he's kind of old, but I think yeah. he's tearing it I up. I will say though, I, uh, wherever he goes, I know there's gonna be a big fan base following him. Cause I know when Chicharito was in the Premier League, especially whether it was West Ham or Manchester United, like pretty much every Mexican national team fan was all over Chicharito news. Cause they love them. So, yeah. Um, you know, when you have players like it's the same for United States, when we have players like Pulisic, you know, Conrad De La Fuente or, you know, Sergio, Sergio, uh, Sergio Dent, uh, Weston McKinney, like these players that are making big moves across Europe, like you want to follow them. Um, even if you're not the biggest fan of the club, you just follow the player. So it's the same, I think, for Mexico when you have players such as Jimenez, if they make a big move, they. Fan, yeah. Fans will follow. Fans will Literally, follow. Literally, uh, back in college, well, that's kind of sad to kind of start the anecdote like that. But <laughs> one of our uh, good friends, Polo, um, like we were, we met because we were in the same English class together, and he would always watch Bayer Leverkusen play during oh, wow. class. And I'm like, Oh yeah, why, why Leverkusen? He's like uh, Chicharito, and he's a <laughs> and Polo's a a big Mexico fan because he's from Mexico. So I was like, Oh, makes sense, and he. Mm-hmm. He literally would just only watch Bayer Leverkusen because of that. And then once he left Bayer Leverkusen, he was like, all right, new team. <laughs> so I, I know. And he did the same with um, Chicharito when he was at West Ham and Sevilla. So he's been a big uh, Chicha follower. Yeah. So And then even Real Batiste, he's he's a big fan of them because of uh, Guadado. So, mm-hmm. And he's a Barcelona fan. I'm like, dude, I thought you are a Barcelona fan. He's like, I know, but Guadado is here. Got to support my players. Yeah, it's like sometimes you'd even kind of be confused. It's like, I thought, are you a Real Batiste fan or Barcelona? It's like, I can't even tell sometimes. Yeah. It's like, which which is the actual primary team? <laughs> exactly. And for me, it's like, it, it hurts because Pulisic, he plays for Chelsea. But man, it, it is pretty, it's pretty amazing and cool when you see him like really pop off. But it's like, dang, I don't want him to do too good because I don't want Chelsea to be like yeah. OP. But like, Pulisic performing well is very, very good for US, um, the US national team. I, I have that same reaction whenever I see Pulisic go off. I'm I'm yeah. like, yay, but at the same time, like Kappa make a Chelsea. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the best scenario. Chelsea lose like three to five. And then Pulisic, Pulisic scores the hat trick, but then yeah. Kepa lets in five. It's like, all right, at least Pulisic looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and Chelsea's gonna lose. So like that's the best scenario. Exactly. But um, yeah, that kind of rounds up uh, episode 90 for us. It's crazy. It's 90. We're 10 away from uh, 100. The You're 100. Be big for that. Yeah. 100. <laughs> so we got, we're, we're going to be in the planning process for that. But yeah, we appreciate the support. Um, please make sure to um, follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube at the Premier Pod. Follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at the, at the Premier Pod. Um, and if you're on iTunes, uh, please, if you can give this, uh, podcast a rating and review, it helps us out and yeah, appreciate all the support. You know, we thank everyone for listening, especially, um, since the past couple of weeks, especially with my work schedule, um, this episodes have been not coming out on the normal Friday at 10 AM, like they normally do, but we appreciate everyone still listening, um, and still seeing them on our feed. So we definitely appreciate that. We see that. So 
we definitely appreciate it guys so thank you guys so much that wraps up episode 90 for us um yeah guys peace peace